Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio production. And the slily toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the borogoves and the momraths out in grabe. I'm Just sorry. Fucking... Was, was any of that words? No, none of that is real. Okay. Those are all made up words. <laughs> um, Lewis Carroll out here like, I don't know, man. I can't, <laughs> I can't write poetry. I'll just fucking make up words. And everyone will be like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, Look, he's really smart. This is, this is fucking cool. Um. You might notice that I've I've switched to a slightly longer cable for my my headphones. Ah. Uh, I'm hoping to have uh, significantly fewer instances of almost ripping them out of either the the headphone or out of the computer, uh, and thus uh, ruining not only the recording but also potentially my hardware. <laughs> right, as you throw your bad uh, head back in laughter. <laughs> 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 Oh, before we get started, can I tell you about what is quite possibly the grossest thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life? Why, that sure. Please go on. I might, you know, might as well use this platform to talk about it. Right. Uh, so our, our, our apartment uh, has an occasional mouse problem. Mm. Um, and we've, we've put out a few traps, but they, uh, after the, the, we, we caught a couple. I hate this. I know. I'm sorry, people. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Um, we we caught a couple and then they got smart and just started avoiding the traps and like finding like every which way around them and like we just we couldn't get them to do it. so like we got rid of the ones that were here in the house because we were afraid of Penelope getting into them and you know five pound dog that would do some damage uh, but yeah. we left one out in the like the back hall stairway that we never use it's just it was there in case one was running around out there and got tempted months nothing happens and then today we're starting to uh, to pack up. Uh, and Ellen opened that door to grab because we keep our suitcases just out on the landing uh, for storage. Uh, she opened those up to grab those, and she started saying like, "It kind of smells like dead mouse in here." I was like, "I don't, <laughs> I don't smell it." Uh, and then she opened the door again to like check something else, and she's like, "No, it definitely smells like it." Oh, because there is one, uh, and of uh... course, um, the division of labor in my household. Um, I am not willing to set a trap because the. Uh, likelihood of it springing back and breaking my fingers terrifies me. Sure. Uh, and so Ellen, being the braver one uh, with uh, that, uh, is willing to set the trap so long as I'm willing to be the one that disposes of any that we catch. Ooh. Feels like a fair trade to me. Um, well, there, there, there was one, so uh, oh. I went to dispose of it, and uh, it didn't come cleanly off the floor. 
Oh, <laughs> it's straight up rotted to the floor. Filth. <laughs> oh God! But that's a horrible story. <laughs> this the is the worst I story I've you. heard this week. I told you it was the most disgusting thing that's ever happened. To me. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> well, that being said, hello and welcome to. Fucking never heard of it, gross ass podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight. <laughs> and I'm just here for shock value. <laughs> There's always one. There's always one. Well, um, we're close. <laughs> I, I, I can't even follow that. So we're, we're closing. Over. We had a good <laughs> run. This, this they had 151 it. episodes, but just closed it out <laughs> with a dead mouse. Done. um well as as you've guessed with the uh title of this episode and my uh poetry reading in the beginning we are finishing our month of november my my birthday month is officially over now after today's episode and we are wrapping it up with the 1977 terry gilliam film jabberwocky uh not only uh 1977 film by the great terry gilliam but uh Somewhat recently, I guess, like fully remastered with uh, the director's approval and supervision by, uh, oh, was it the BBC or like some like, uh, British B- archives? Uh, yeah, the BFI the uh, and George Lucas. Oh, yeah. Uh, BF- uh, so like British Film Institute probably, right? Yep. Yep. I think that's, yeah, that's the BFI, BFI and then, uh, yeah, and then George Lucas over at uh, Skywalker something or other. So I'm going to get this out of the way right away. Uh, we're going to obviously talk about this movie. Um, I had an hour and 45 minute long anxiety attack from this movie because it's just nothing but fucking chaos for the entire runtime of the movie. Like no plot, barely any like scene structure, just fucking chaos and yelling and like too many things going on in the screen and like, what the fuck? I, so yes. So the best way to describe this movie, so Terry Gilliam, uh, for those of you who are unaware, Terry Gilliam and the star of this movie, uh, Michael Palin, were uh, are part were part of uh, Monty Python. So they mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. were uh, you know made up of two fifths, I think, or whatever, of the Monty Python crew. And uh, this film came out right around the time of uh, Monty Python's um, growing success, more specifically uh, the Holy Grail. Uh, and stuff like that, and uh, of which Michael Palin and Terry Gilliam were a part of. Um, and uh, uh, this movie, the best way to describe it is take all the scenes of Monty Python and the Holy Grail and the life of Brian that aren't the punchlines, like mm-hmm. just the parts that that lead up to punchlines, mm-hmm. and string that together for an hour and 45 minutes. That yeah. is this movie. <laughs> Which is wild because if you've ever seen a Terry Gilliam film, like one of my favorite movies of all time is The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, which Mm -hmm. is a Terry Gilliam film. It's just fucking phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Time Shifters is another one. Time Shifters? Wait, did I say that wrong? Time Shifters? Time Shifters? Time Time Bandits? Time Bandits. Time Uh, Shitters? Time Shitters? (laughs) The name Time Shitters. Um, You know, this is good. Uh, Like uh, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus great film oh shit yeah right he wrote that he has done some really good movies so it's wild to see this movie and be like what the fuck but i mean the only thing i think of is like this is one of his first like you know one of his first films that's not a monty python film um and you know fun fact about this film when this when it first came out in a couple of countries it was being pitched as monty python presents the Jabberwocky and he was like, no, this is not a Monty Python movie like at all. Like, even though I'm from Monty Python, like, please remove that. He had to actually sue to get it removed uh, from the titling uh, in, in a lot of the films. Crazy. He's, he's American. Terry Gilliam. Oh yeah. Terry Gilliam is, is American. Yeah. So there's a, there's a story that John Cleese uh, tells, um, about Terry Gilliam. Uh, so they were at this hotel. So if anybody's ever seen um, uh, Faulty Towers, uh, uh, John Cleese, uh, you know, plays Basil Faulty. And um, it, that character is actually based off um, a real, like, hotel manager that that the Monty Python crew met um, while they were, uh, you know, touring about and stuff. So they he mentions that 
you know, the guy came out and the whole Monty Python crew, they're sitting there, um, you know, eating and, and, uh, um, I guess Terry Gilliam, you know, he cuts his, he cuts his meat kind of like in an American way, um, where like he would cut it with his left, you know, cut it with the fork in his left hand, knife in the right, and then pick up the fork with his right hand and eat the food, which is a very American thing. But in Britain, you, you do it all with your left. And I guess the hotel like manager, like, was just absolutely disgusted at Terry Gilliam for doing this. That he was like, "What? What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> like he just like went off on Terry Gilliam and like almost kicked him out of the hotel. Very very funny. I think it was on the Graham Norton show. Look it up. John Cleese talking about the inspiration for Basil Fawlty. Huh? Are you Basil Fawlty? <laughs> um, also a great show. Watch Fawlty Towers. It's fucking phenomenal. Uh, that was like my first introduction with British humor. Is watching that with my mom. Yeah. Um... And I, I think a lot of people's first introduction, at least here in the States, to British humor probably comes from some variant of the the Monty Python movies or sketches or whatnot. Oh, I sure. mean, the search for the Holy Grail is, or sorry, the quest for the Holy Grail is fucking legendary. Uh, you know, the the Spamalot uh, sketch, like people know these things, right? Fun. Like people people quote them and laugh. And this movie had me think, like, like seriously rethinking whether those things were actually funny. <laughs> Uh, or whether it was just like a point in time where like I used to think that like now they wouldn't, but like, I'm pretty sure that shit still holds up. Mm. I just watched uh Holy Grail not that long ago. Um, and it absolutely still holds up. Like um, I still, I, I think about the jokes because there's a lot of them that just, they live in my head and I know them and like, I st- like a chuckle at them. So like, that tells me that it must, it's they probably must be still funny. Yeah, of course they are. I mean, they're, they're insanely funny. This movie um, there were a few moments that uh, I kind of giggled at. Yeah, uh, I have to say for for the film being chalked up as being a very low budget film, Terry Gilliam, you know, has gone on record saying that they didn't have a lot of money with this film. That like uh, the effects were pretty good. When I say effects, I mean like the the rotting corpses and the bodies and stuff like that actually was really good like it was it was gross looking like it didn't look like cartoonish or anything like that like it actually looked pretty cool i thought are we sure those weren't real they might have been real corpses (laughs) 1977 they're just straight up killing everybody estimated budget half a million dollars as i mean that's for for 1977 that's not bad um but i mean that is a low budget film you know yeah um, which is which is crazy. So as we mentioned, uh, this film stars uh, Michael Palin, uh, who is part of the uh, Monty Python crew. Um, he plays Dennis Cooper uh, in this film. And uh, fun fact, he also played the character Dennis in uh, Monty Python and the Quest for the Holy Grail. Is it father? I don't want to get married. I just <laughs> want to see. No, no, none of that. None of no, no, none of that. None of that. That's that a great scene. Uh, so he he plays Dennis. But father, I don't want to marry the girl. <laughs> that shit is still funny. That makes me it's really so want to watch. Holy you Grail. should you should watch the Holy Grail. In fact, uh, no, we'll we'll carry on. Uh, so <laughs> stop the In podcast. Fact, We're just going to watch that instead. <laughs> um, yeah. So so the whole idea of Jabberwocky is um, uh, came uh, the idea of the Jabberwocky comes from the Lewis Carroll poem about the Jabberwock, which is uh, through the Looking Glass. Um, the uh, I think this is the sequel to Alice in Wonderland uh, that this came from. I'm not entirely that feels sure. Right of its history. Uh, but yeah, there is a poem about the Jabberwocky. If you look it up, it is a very long poem. Um, but, uh, what is actually cool is that, um, moments, there are several moments throughout the, uh, throughout this film where they, they are, uh, basically citing the, the poem. Um, so later on there's like, uh, you know, the old puppet, uh, like guy walking around the Mm, village mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. he says, you know, he took his vorpal sword in hand long time and the manxum foe he sought, like, He's actually saying the poem as as the story progresses, and we hear it uh, several times, which was, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and I had to look this up. I I uh, I have you know always heard about a Jabberwocky for a really long time. I thought a Jabberwocky was just like a generic mythical creature that Lewis Carroll wrote about, but in fact, Lewis Carroll invented not only the term but the the idea of a Jabberwocky. It was specifically, it's the Jabberwock. Look at that. Look at that. What do you know? Look at that. 
Oh, oh, fraptuous day, here we go. Old inventing monsters Lewis, they called him. (laughs) Oh, this draw, holy shit. Um, From alice-in-wonderland.net. Uh, there's the, sure. the Jabberwocky poem uh, with a like it looks like a, an ink sketch uh, of the Jabberwocky, uh, and it's it's scary. Like you, the Jabberwocky is is supposed to be a, a a crazy beast. Now, for those of you who are probably familiar with the Jabberwocky um, from the most recent Alice in Wonderland, Johnny Depp, Tim Burton movies, um, the Jabberwocky in that is more dragon like. Um, but it is uh, it is more bird like in in this. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of like, and there is no break dancing in this movie. So, <laughs> so it is nothing some, like the Tim Burton one. Some of these have it looking almost like somewhere between like amphibian and fish like. That's wild. Yeah, because like, in a in head this movie, specifically. when we do finally see it in this movie, it basically just looks like a giant chicken. <laughs> yeah. Surprise, yes. chicken. <laughs> Surprise, mother chicken. Um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Some fries, motherfucker. <laughs> I still, you know, is is really great is that the, uh, um, when Dexter, so they're, they're Dexter's coming back. The show Dexter's mm-hmm. coming back. Yes. And when they announced it on Twitter, they just put like the Dexter thing that said like coming, wah, and it just said surprise, motherfucker, <laughs> which is <laughs> amazing. Like what an amazing announcement. <laughs> That was the because best way to do that. It's from Dexter. Uh, also, like total, uh, like barely related aside, uh, I just learned from the Googles that uh, the Jabberwock makes an appearance in the final battle scene of Ready Player One. Somebody oh. uh, must have chosen the uh, the Jabberwock to be either their avatar or maybe they acquired it in game uh, as a, a a mount oh or God. something. A microtransaction that they yeah right? <laughs> the in-game, Ma, in-game transaction. Ma, I need your credit card. I want to get some Jabberwocky. <laughs> Not till you clean your room. Fuck, Ma. <laughs> Give me your card. Oh, the Jabberwocky mount. <laughs> Bitch, come on. <laughs> okay. You know that's. <laughs> I mean, that's how I got everything. So I don't know. <laughs> oh my uh, god. <laughs> so so this movie uh it's it's it starts off with uh we learn about Michael Palin who or Dennis Cooper we'll we'll call him by name. So Dennis Cooper works as the apprentice um to a um a cast maker, right? Uh, a Cooper. He, a Cooper. He makes crates, barrels. Barrels. A barrel maker crates is a barrels. Cooper. Dude, I don't fucking know. What do I That's... look like? I'm from the Renaissance? Get the fuck out. <laughs> Jesus That's... Christ. That, like <laughs> The, that thing where like so many people's surnames came from like somewhere down the line, their ancestors were like that was their profession, right? So, like if your last name was Smith, somebody in your ancestry worked a forge. Uh, yeah. If your last name is Cooper, someone who begat you uh, made barrels, or so, they like, were hanging with Mister Cooper. <laughs> Cooper. That was such a great show. This is an amazing we just, show. We just talk about that instead. No. Yeah. Let's, with, let's, let's move. Let's new, new soldier podcast. on here. <laughs> Hanging with Mr. Cooper episode by episode. Oh my God. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, so, so, so Dennis is uh, the apprentice to a, uh, a Cooper who is his Mr. father. Cooper. His Mr. Cooper, his father. No, Mr. Cooper is my father. Uh, so um, call me Dennis. <laughs> Hey, uh, so he uh, so he, he's working with his father and we see that there is uh, a man by the name of Mr. Fishfinger, uh, who is played by Warren Mitchell. Um, and Warren Mitchell has been in a lot of British things. I mean, we're talking like old 60s, 70s things. Um, not honestly, a lot of the things that I see are nothing that I recommend. Uh, I uh, recognize like he's known for the crawling eye, this uh, carry on Cleo. Um, the elf, uh, uh, the elf garnet saga. I don't know. Um, but he's an old British guy. Um, but his father is, uh, um, is played by somebody, but I'm, I'm not going to be able to find him. So it doesn't matter. Um, but anyways, so, 
so basically, Dennis is clear that Dennis is kind of a, a fuck up. Like he's he's not great at being a Cooper. He's no. not even great at being a a, a human. Um, he he's got a girl that he likes, Griselda, who just fucking hates him. And like everybody just shits on him. And, you know, Mr. Fishfinger tells him the story about the city and how amazing the city is. And he's like, oh, that's cool. Um, but we learn that uh, his father grows ill um, and on his dying bed basically tells Dennis what an absolute piece of shit that he is. <laughs> he's just like, you're nothing. I renounce you. You're garbage. Goodbye. So mean. Just so mean. It is so mean, but you know what's crazy about this? So, uh, so the fact about this is that the 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 death of Cooper's father was inspired by uh, Terry Gilliam's friend, uh, who was a folk singer and and whose father had died. And on his deathbed, he was raving and told her how much he hated her and completely denounced her as his daughter. And Gilliam was so obsessed with this story that he wrote it just because it's so like unbearably cruel that he wrote wow. it into this film. Uh, to basically be, you know, where the father dies and is like, wow, you guys are all fucking garbage. And then. Well, and I go. love that, like, Dennis tries to say, oh, he's just raving. And someone's like, no, he's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very Monty Python humor there. He's, he's just gone raving. Nope. No, he's fine. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, dad dies. He is no longer a Cooper. He's no longer allowed in the village. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go off and. I'm going to go to the city, the city, and I'm going to make something of myself. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Motherfucker. Yeah. Um, and so he, he heads off and he, you know, as he's leaving, he, he goes and visits Griselda's house as he's paddling away. And, uh, it's just, you know, they're just completely ignoring him, grossly eating and telling him to fuck off without huh. saying those words. But small child comes and pisses on him. Yep, because they just like they they live in a house on stilts in the the river or whatever, and they just relieve themselves right off the edge. Like you see, Mister Fishfinger, like his face is in kind of in the window, but his ass is sticking out the side of the house as he's yeah apparently shitting into the river. I don't know. The whole thing's pretty gross. It is very gross. It is, uh, but I mean, you know, it's, it's medieval. <clears throat> if there's time. one thing that'll gross, if th- there's one thing that'll really make you appreciate indoor plumbing, it's watching this movie. Yeah, versus <laughs> for serious. Uh, those Egyptians were onto something. Uh, no, Greek, the Greek. Who who was it that invented uh, indoor plumbing? I think it was uh, Athens, wasn't it? Who that that's like an old thing. That's not a new indoor thing. Indoor plumbing. Uh, well, Google credits it to Isaiah Rogers in 1829, but I don't well, think that's, that that's right. Wrong. That's not I right. Mean, it was at least 400 years before that. Um, but so. Uh, so as he uh, as he heads off, you know, he, he makes his way to the city. Now, mind you, so so as Caleb and I were talking about this, the whole beginning of this movie, it's like twenty five minutes of mm-hmm. like just nothing of him just kind of like wandering around and like people talking to him and saying shit that just doesn't matter. There's a lot of scenes with him and his dad. Like the dad doesn't die first thing. Like the dad dies like into the first act. Like it's not even like the first thing that happens. Um, cause there's still the whole Griselda thing. There's the whole Mr. Mr. Fishfinger thing. Like it's, it is a lot of like <laughs> just nonsense talking. He spends a lot of time fawning over Griselda and her, like either completely ignoring him or basically like saying mean things to him. Uh, and at one point he's like in this scene where he's in the boat and he's yelling into the family, uh, through the, their window, uh, she's in at the table eating and you hear her in there, and at one point she uh, she takes a bite of a potato, which is like totally her thing. We see earlier, like she takes a potato out of her dress, like raw, just starts munching on it. Uh, in this scene, she takes a bite of a potato, is like, "Ah, oh, that's rotten," and throws it out through the window. And he catches it. He's like, "Oh, you do love me. You've given me this, and I'll never let it go." And like, it's a rotten potato, and he actually keeps it through the rest of the movie, and it just gets progressively moldier and sproutier, and like, "Oh my god, yeah. it's so gross. This movie's so gross. It's so gross." <laughs> Now I, I do. I hadn't watched it. Uh, I do want to mention that this movie does actually begin with the scene of you know just a guy wandering around the countryside. He's picking up animals from traps. 
Um, and uh, he gets attacked by the Jabberwocky. Now, we don't see the Jabberwocky uh, yet, no. um, but we do see what the Jabberwocky does. And, you know, he gets swooped up in the air. And actually, it's a really cool scene where uh, what they do is they they attach a camera um, to a steady camera to the person uh, body and the camera faces them. Yeah. And then when they move around, you they move around at the same pace that the camera's moving around so the background's all weird it's a very very cool shot you've seen it a million times um but very very cool and uh eventually he gets thrown up in the air and then when he drops he has nothing but uh his head remains but he's just you know uh ghastly bones uh afterwards after he's been basically picked clean by the jabberwocky I do think that that's uh that's interesting that that's the jabberwocky's signature move cuz we see that at least twice uh where it eats a person uh, like picks their their bones essentially clean. There's you know some some gore left on them, but sure. essentially like picks them clean and leaves the skeleton with the head completely intact. Completely intact. Completely yeah. <laughs> Nary a bruise or scratch, as, <laughs> as they say. Meanwhile, in the uh, the sack of animals that he's just been like collecting, there still remains at least a fox and a rabbit who are fighting inside <laughs> the sack. <laughs> like, give me the fuck out! Ah, oh, cool, a rabbit! I'm gonna eat you. Um, <laughs> and this fox is like, I can't tell if I'm really lucky or really fucked. I don't understand. <laughs> like, I'm in a sack. I may be going somewhere, but there's food. I don't know what's happening. Like, I just picture foxes being mostly confused. Like all the time, all the time. Like, like what the? I, <laughs> they just they kind of have that that look to them. like people <laughs> like they think of them as like sly and like like cunning hunters, but I think they're mostly just like they're not sure what's going on at any given <laughs> Why do I have such a bushy tail? What the fuck? <laughs> um, it's what what I, is this I thing mean, following me all the time? <laughs> a Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's just right there. Fuck. Um, I love foxes. That's what I imagine. I me wish too. I could have a fox. Me too. You? I mean, you can. Uh, but, um, I wouldn't, they would, they would absolutely devour Penelope. Yeah, that would, that would, yeah, that would be good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, if you, if you don't already follow Juniper Fox, Juniper the Fox on Instagram, fucking adorable. Uh, it's these people who actually have foxes. They have a couple of them. Uh, maybe I might've seen that. Yeah. It's, uh, great. I always watch their videos cause it's like Juniper the Fox being like, just being a fucking fox like in this people's house it's great just doing what foxes do just doing what foxes do um whatever that is so uh so as we learn so dennis is heading off to the city and you know he he thinks he's gonna go there get a job make something of himself and you know come back and be the you know finally earn the respect of his town oh juniper the fox you guys gotta look it up check it out Instagram.com slash Juniper the Fox. There we go. Well, good Fox. <laughs> uh, for those of you on Instagram who are now seeing this. Um, and he gets to the city. And what we learn in the city is that uh, food is insanely scarce. Um, you know, everybody is going hungry. We, you know, we learn that some people are like, well, I haven't eaten in weeks, you know, and some are like, well, I haven't eaten in months. And the other person's like, oh, I ate, you know, three toes off my right foot and stuff. So like people are, people are starving. And what we learn is that the whole idea is that, um, the kingdom, I think, I, I kind of get the impression this is the case that the king and the, and the leaders of this, uh, of this castle area, this, the lordship of this area is, is using the Jabberwocky as a way to like keep the peasants in line. Well, so there's, there's layers to this. There's actually a little bit of a complexity and some, some political intrigue, uh, because the merchant class and the clergyman, the local bishop, are, are a bit in cahoots. They see the uh, the Jabberwocky uh, terrorizing the countryside as a boon to them. Uh, the merchants have uh, literally throngs of people uh, begging to get into the city where uh, they can then uh, purchase the merchant's goods and services if they have the money. We see that uh, people actually aren't allowed into the city uh, unless they have some form of currency or property. <clears throat> mm-hmm, thus mm-hmm. Uh, maintaining a a, an, a seemingly healthy economy. Uh, and the bishop uh, states at one point that church attendance has never been higher uh, as people are scared for their fucking lives. Uh, <laughs> and the king is clueless. The king is a uh, barely clinging to uh, to life old man uh, who has oh, no yeah. idea what's going on. His His castle is literally falling apart. 
one of the few like truly uh, humorous scenes to me uh, is one where like someone spends an entire scene like you can see them just like in the the background as the uh, the the rich people are talking. He's cleaning up uh, stone and debris and dust and stuff like that from the throne room floor, and like puts it all in a barrel and starts to walk away. And then like someone slams into him and the barrel falls and it just all goes everywhere again. <sighs> yeah so the so the king is played by max wall um he uh has uh been in a lot of things and and what's great uh so he was in this he was in chitty chitty bang bang he was in little dorrit uh born and bred um but he is king bruno the questionable the question (laughs) and uh one of the things that uh he goes to his credit is that he conquered fredonia um, which is actually a direct reference to uh, Duck Soup, the 1933 uh, Groucho Marx Brothers film, where the the made up uh, country of Fredonia is is what a uh, Rufus T. Firefly ends up being in charge of. Well, look at you knowing that reference. I mean, Marx Brothers; th- those are my jam. That's that's, that's the other totally thing I grew jam. up on. <laughs> I love the Marx <laughs> Brothers. Like, this is not the first time that Duck Soup has come up in this podcast. It probably won't Nor be the will last. It be the either. last, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> definitely will not. Um, but I just have King Bruno the questionable. Um, <laughs> but it is, I mean, his whole like his whole cavalcade is pathetic. His the, his trumpeter is like doesn't know really how to play. Like just everybody's really pathetic, and I think it's very funny. Um, it is very amusing to me. Uh, so before we head off to a commercial break, I do want to say one. Hey, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, you know. Yeah. We appreciate that. That's it's cool that you do it, and uh, you know it keeps us going, uh, literally. And um, uh, we're like Tinkerbell, like we only survive on on listens instead of <laughs> hand claps. Um, that's a reference. Uh, but if you if you have not already, uh, please please subscribe. Um, it's uh, super easy to do. You just hit subscribe or follow or whatever it is that your podcast platform of choice says. Um, you know, it's great. You'll get to know when new episodes come out, such as today, uh, this Thursday when our trailer comes out for the next episode, that sort of thing. It's always, uh, good to do. Um, and of course, if you have not yet, uh, go ahead and leave a rating and review. Um, it's, uh, also super easy to do. It'll only take you a couple of minutes and it helps us immensely, immensely. Be a lot cooler if you did. Be a lot cooler if you did. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, dude. Uh, if And if you leave more ratings and reviews, I'll do more impressions or less, depending on what your review says for me to do. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so but if uh, you wanted to learn more about us or maybe reach out to us, uh, uh, Caleb, where would where would be a way to do that? My God, that's a great question. I know. I know. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate if you that. want to learn more about specifically, you've never heard of it. Uh, you can visit thenahoyt.com. That's T-H-E-N-H-O-I-T.com, uh, where, of course, you'll always see our monthly schedule of upcoming episodes, uh, links to trailers, as well as, as well as where you can find these movies streaming, if available. Uh, fun fact about this month is I believe uh, all of these movies were streaming on Tubi TV. Am I, am I correct in that? Uh, that is correct, and most of them were also available on Prime Video. Look at that. So you've at got options. At the same time. Uh, and of course, as uh, Michael said, we want to hear your voices. So uh, in addition to or uh, in lieu of, you know, we're not here to tell you how to live your life, uh, leaving a, a rating or review. If you want to uh, reach out to us directly, we've got a contact form on there. Uh, we've got people who have uh, sent us requests that uh, that we've covered or that we will cover. We're very excited to hear what, uh, what movies people think we should talk about. Uh, and of course, you're always welcome to, uh, to voice your opinion about the podcast there. Uh, you know, we're open to it. We can take it. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. I'm a uh, and then, of course, if you uh, if you want to know more about the uh, media network that I've never heard of it as part of, you can visit nightshiftradio.com uh, and see all about that. And Michael, yeah. where else can they find out about us? Hey, did you know that we're also on social media at The Nahoit what? Podcast? I know. That's The N-H-O-I-T Podcast. On both Twitter and Instagram, uh, you'll see uh, clips from past episodes, uh, you know, trailers and links to upcoming episodes, uh, witty commentary and banter mm. um, yes. uh, as well. So it's definitely a really great place to uh, check us out. And of course, if you want to learn more about Night Shift Radio, uh, they're on Twitter as well at Media NSR um, at, on Twitter. So at 
at media NSR. Um, and you can learn about all of our uh, shows. We got a brand new one coming up soon. Um, possibly some more cool projects, uh, coming up. Um, very so excited. Very, very exciting. So let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we will finish with Jabberwocky. You're listening to a Night Shift Radio production. Night Shift Radio is a modern media company bringing you shows that entertain, inform, and most importantly, provide an escape. Never Heard of It dives into the world of bad, obscure, and sometimes just weird movies. Follow along with the crew of Set Condition One as they experience the 2004 sci-fi hit Battlestar Galactica one episode at a time. Each week on Left of the Dial, we explore a new record or revisit an old favorite. We'll bring in guests to talk about their own music and the state of the industry. The Superpod HeroCast. Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. They draw a random comic-inspired movie from Thor's helmet and offer thorough, insightful, and humorous commentary. And once a month, tune into the Storyteller series and get lost in the magic of a good old-fashioned radio drama. Learn more about these fine shows at nightshiftradio.com and subscribe on your favorite platform. Hello and welcome back. Hey, how's it going? Hey, you know, it's, uh, it's going good, my man. That, that was a great my ad. Man, man. It was heard. a really good ad, actually. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, all of the thing that we advertised for. Um, so when we left you, uh, um, Dennis Cooper has arrived at the city. You know, Caleb had mentioned you need to have some form of currency on you, something of value in order to get in. Um, you know, at first, uh, you know, he was like, well, I don't have anything. And then they see that he has a potato and they're like, oh my God, you have a potato. And he was like, my love gave me this potato. And he's like, she must really love you. Um, and, uh, so eventually he ends up having to sneak into the city, uh, yeah, in a very gross way. So he sneaks into the city, um, and, and the story begins. So that's the other thing. Like there, that's another part of this too, is like, the amount of time that we learn him like outside of the village and like trying to get into the, or outside of the city and trying to get into the city walls and then ending up having to sneak in. It's just like, it's like 15 to 20 minutes. And I'm like, what the fuck dude? Like, this is so boring. Realistically, this whole movie could have been done as like a 15 minute comedy sketch and it would have totally. been amazing. Totally. Like, Absolutely. Dis distill it down to some punchlines and some really great, like, python era um visual gags just happening in the background like you don't even have to acknowledge them they just happen like you know i mentioned the, the thing with the barrel like that was hilarious yeah. to me that was one of the funniest things and it's just like a, a like a bullshit visual gag that you'll miss if you're not paying attention uh like it could have made the like the whole thing like that and they, I don't, you know what terry gilliam knows what he's doing i'm not terry gilliam i can't talk too much shit about him the man's a fucking legend but <sighs> Yeah, I mean, no, totally. There, there's a lot of little parts of this movie that are really great, like you know the trumpeter being terrible, uh, the the priest at the end when he goes, he dips his fingers in the holy water and he raises his hands up, and then he just flicks the water at the guy and rubs his hands off like, ugh. And he was like, "That's whole, it." And he goes, "Yep." <laughs> this whole procession that's like several minutes long as the the bishop is coming through with his his guard who are like shoving the people out of the way, and there's all the fanfare. And they get up, and then yeah, he just like flicks the holy water and turns away. Is that it? <laughs> is it? Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's great. I like that's a really great thing. The barrel thing. I mean, there's a lot of like little great sight gags and and quips and stuff like that that are just uh, you know fantastic. Uh, I uh, they were really good, but like the the schlog you have to get through to get to them is just yeah. so much. It's so so much. Yeah. So. So we learn that the king uh, d decides uh, to, to basically show the people um, that he's trying to do something to help them with the food. He decides he's going to throw a tournament. Um, so he's going to do a joust. And this is another one. So when the, uh, when the king's men come up to make the announcement and the guy keeps messing up what it is, yes. you know, what the prize is going to be, there's going to be a joust. Uh, I'm sorry, a, a joust. And then, you know, he's a... <laughs> And uh, the winner shall receive uh, half the, the king's uh, daughter's hand in marriage. 
the whole kingdom and uh, a ham or something, you know? So it's like, <laughs> it just keeps being like, oh, nope, I'm sorry. Nope, that's not right. And the other guy whispers in his ear. And there's like the gag with the drum. Very funny scene. Very funny scene. Very drawn out, but very, it was funny. Um, mm-hmm. But there's so, like, you gotta, you gotta sit through it to get to that. <laughs> like, that's, that's the thing. Like, you really got, he makes you work for those, like, little moments. <laughs> so the uh the joust is like the king decides that he wants to uh reinvigorate the people and like you give them something to to cheer for uh so in in addition to you know selecting someone who can fight and kill the jabberwocky and save the people uh he wants to make it memorable so he's like you know we must have a tournament and the people are like i don't really know that that's like a good he's no we must have a tournament to the death like the old days <laughs> uh and my thought as they're doing this, like it's a very classic trope. Like, well, it's, we'll bring all the, the greatest in the, the kingdom together and they'll fight each other tournament style until one remains and that will be our champion. Uh, there's two major problems with that. Sure. One, if you've got all these people that are potentially qualified, why not get them all together and send them out to hunt the thing? Like, you've got better chances that way uh, and by having them kill each other. Uh, not only are you completely like destroying your, your talent pool, uh, but the one guy who's left is probably going to be pretty tired. Uh, if not, uh, severely injured uh, after having <laughs> fighting off all the other best warriors in town. <laughs> <laughs> after almost all of the, 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 uh, the kingdom's finest are dead. Uh, they do finally reach that conclusion. They're like, uh, maybe this isn't the most efficient way by having them like, they're all, they're almost all dead. We only have like 12 guys left. And he's like, I know. We'll have them play hide and seek. <laughs> hide and seek. <laughs> Which I, I get is another like somewhat drawn out but uh funny visual gag is they're like all like doing a Scooby Doo style run in between these tents right. and like nobody can find each other. Uh, and then finally they're like, We have our champion, sir. Well, where is he? Well, no one's found him yet. <laughs> <laughs> like that's why he's good. <laughs> that's, that's why he's the champion. <laughs> Will we find him eventually? Um, <laughs> wonderful. But that ties into a, a, another subplot with the squire. The squire, yeah. So then, so once uh, Dennis finally does eventually make it into the city, he ends up uh, in in a bar with uh, with the squire. Um, who is played by uh, Harry H. Corbett, um, who has been in a lot of things, very, you know, very up there, uh, 60s guy. He was in Steptoe and Son, uh, Carry On Screaming, uh, a couple of Steptoe and Son things, and uh, Rattle of a Simple Man. Um, he was in a bunch of, I think, very 60s, you know, films. Like, so, anyways. So, uh, The Squire is a ladies' man. He's He's out and about. Um, you know, getting uh, getting the girls, as you say, and he ends up uh, uh, sleeping with the uh, the girl of a uh, of, of the bar owner, I guess it is the the Chamberlain. He's credited as a, I think as a landlord, but yeah, I mean he's he's a he's an inn innkeeper, a tavern owner. Oh yeah, who is uh, played by uh, Bernard Breslau. Um, who uh, has has been in a few things as well. He was in Crawl, uh, which stars that's, uh, uh, which, some films. He looks like someone to me, and I can't think of his name, and maybe you know someone who's been in more recent things. Uh, uh, he was in the Young Indiana Jones uh, Chronicles, um, and he hasn't, I mean, he hasn't been anything since 1993. He died then. Um, but he's been in, he's been in a few things that, you know, you might've seen. Um, like I am definitely thinking of a different person. Uh, I realized I wasn't talking into my microphone just then. Sorry, Kitsy. Uh, (laughs) I am definitely thinking of a different person. I just can't remember who it is that I'm thinking of. Uh, and it'll come to me at some point when it's completely irrelevant and I don't care anymore. Yeah. Two days from now, you'll be like, ah, that's who it was. That's Um, life. So yeah, there's this whole plot line where he gets entangled in this and, you know, he ends up, uh, you know, kind of like getting arrested. He goes to court with the landlord guy and that's the barrel scene where the barrel explodes and there's dust yep. everywhere and, and Dennis escapes, uh, even though Dennis is being charged with having slept with this guy's wife or whatever. Um, and they end up, the king ends up uh, sending the landlord guy off to prison for being a... Uh, um, 
uh, cannibal. Um, and it's crazy. But that's like a whole weird, pl- I mean, that goes on for a really long time. Like that's most of the thing, but it does come full circle later is, you know, after running back into the squire who is, uh, you know, carrying his, his bosses, his knight's armor around, um, you know, Dennis and the squire finally gets there and then they realize that, um, Dennis or uh, the squire's boss has won the championship and he's mm-hmm. going to be sent off to go fight the Jabberwocky and the squire has to go with him to the squire's like, no way, dude, I ain't going with him. So he's like, you're the squire now here, take this. You'll never know. <laughs> so there's, there's that whole thing that happened, but there's so much more that happens. Like we just summarize this movie in like 15 minutes, but it's like, this is like an hour and 45 minute long movie. That's what I'm saying. Like it, it could be so much shorter and like the better for it. Mm, like some, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a broken record with us, but like sometimes you watch a movie and you think like this could definitely have been longer. They could have been more exposition here. They could have really dug into this plot line or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, this is not one of those. Yeah. Uh, no, hundred percent not. Um, but I do want to talk about jousting for a minute. Uh, oh specifically because of the movie a knight's tale oh i fucking love that movie so much i think now don't get me wrong the dark knight is uh is an amazing movie heath ledger is an amazing joker but mm-hmm. i still to this day will say that a knight's tale is the best heath ledger film um i don't remember a knight's tale well enough to say if you're wrong or right well i mean uh, but obviously I've- right i'm never wrong I mean, I would counter with 10 Things I Hate About You. Also a very good Heath Ledger film, but is not, A Knight's Tale is better. Heath Ledger's performance is is better. Not only is it one of the finest Heath Ledger performances, uh, I would go so far as to say it's one of the greatest movies of all time. I I will, I mean, I do, I 100% agree (laughs) with you. 10 Things I Hate About You uh, also, which is a uh, variation on on Taming of the Shrew. Mm-hmm. um is uh is fantastic that movie is is absolutely brilliant i think about all of that i mean joseph you have a young joseph gordon levitt um you've got julia styles you've mm-hmm. got uh um heath ledger you've got larissa olenic which hello the secret world of alex mack one why isn't that show streaming anywhere because it was fucking fantastic yeah. two larissa olenic need i say more she was great. I love Larissa Olenek. It was a great the movie. Secret World of Across the board. But, but that is a fantastic movie. It's a pretty good cast. The dad is great. Um, you know, the teachers are great. I mean, it's just, it's a very good movie. But A Knight's Tale, it's pretty good. You got fucking, you know, you've got um, uh, Alan Tudyk is in it. Um, you've got, uh, shit, I forgot who it is that plays um, Jeffrey Chaucer uh, in that movie. Um but uh, uh, you've got the guy who plays uh, Chaucer. You got Rufus Sewell. Um, oh shit, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany is Jeffrey Chaucer. It's fucking Vision from the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Um, you've got Shannon Sossamon. Uh, like I said, Alan Tudyk. Um, just fucking great movie. Great, great movie. Love that movie. Watch a Knight's Tale. It's also streaming on Amazon Prime. It's a good movie, and I, it's about jousting. I, Sorry, I am listening. I am paying attention. Uh, I remembered who I was thinking of, and I'm just trying to find his name. Oh, okay. Uh, because he was in an episode of The Walking Dead. In I, you know, season six, I believe. You know what's it? So Rufus Sewell is the bad guy in A Night's Tale. And you know what other movie he was in that I still think is a really good movie that a lot of people are like that movie is fucking weird. Dark City. Hmm. Hmm. John Carroll Lynch as the okay. man that I, I thought reminded me of the guy who plays the bartender. He's in, okay. He was, he was Mac McDonald in The Founder. Uh, he was Norm Gunderson in, in Fargo. Uh, you know, Gothica, American Horror Story. He's been in a bunch of shit. Like, he's, he's a guy that you've, you've almost around. definitely seen at some point. Um, the, uh, the barkeep reminded me of a like 70s version of him. Hmm. Interesting. Figured it out. <laughs> totally Caleb, irrelevant to this. <laughs> Caleb like, will sleep to easy it. tonight. Yes, having figured finally. this out. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> That's all it took. Nothing else. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm trying to think of what, like, what else smart. So uh, something to note uh, about this movie. So I actually, at first, you know, kind of seeing the story of this movie, I was like, oh, maybe, you know, I'll have, uh, you know, my daughter watch this movie with me. And then I kind of looked up some of the info and I was like, nope, this is not nope. a movie for her. So there's not really any swearing uh, per se. Um, but there not is that a, you could understand it anyway. Right, there, because everybody talks over everyone else. Um, there is uh, there is an instance of, of uh, female full frontal nudity. Um, yep. There is several uh, instances of um, characters having sex or alluding to having sex, um, and uh, it's bloody. You know, there's the the Jabberwocky. You know, tears people apart. Um, the knights. You know, like one of the knights cuts someone clean in half. Another one stabs him through. Like it's there's some blood. So definitely, I would say, not approved I mean, for children's. Another kind of fun visual gag that gets played up a little bit too much uh, uh, during the joust. The, like the, the two knights will start and the uh, in the, the royal box, uh, the king and the princess and the king's advisor like all have their favorite that they're rooting for. Uh, and all of the matches are like seconds long. And they're like, eh! oh, and then like suddenly they're just like splashed with splattered blood. with blood. Yeah. And each time it cuts back to them, they're covered more and more, and more blood. blood yeah. Time. To the very end of the thing, they're literally just head to toe in blood. And that's another weird thing that goes on. So Dennis somehow stumbles into uh, the princess's quarters, and this is where we see her naked. And, you know, he comes in and she was like, it's you. You must be the champion. Like, you're the one who's coming to rescue our kingdom and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, uh, no. Um, And so there's that whole storyline, too, where... You know, the the princess thinks that they're, they're they're going to be betrothed and he ends up giving her, you know, she ends up seeing the potato and being like, oh, I'm going to keep this as a memento, even oh though God, he's so keeping gross. it as a memento uh, from <laughs> from Griselda. And Griselda spends like the whole movie shitting on him, like not literally, but like figuratively and like, you know, refuting or refusing his love and denying his advances and whatnot. Uh, as is her prerogative. Uh, sure. But then as soon as he wins the tournament, she's like, oh my God, my love, it was always you. And uh, he's like ready to just like, all right, let's do this. And then they drag him away to be married to the princess. And he's like, oh man. Oh, like, man. Like, I mean, this, she, she may have her priorities wrong What with just like marrying the first person that she thinks is a prince that comes along, but like, she's actually interested in you and like this. Right. Oh, she was she was a jerk she, to you. Right. Don't go back to her. You gotta see that. That is uh not the case. Um but yeah, so uh so that's a whole storyline, and eventually she ends up getting, you know, uh uh you know sent off to them and and whatever. Uh so now we've got the Jabberwocky scenes. We've got the big the big scene at the end. So so uh, this is where we learn of the conspiracy issue. Um is that uh, the um, the knights the knight that gets sent off is sent to go fight the Jabberwocky to save the kingdom, but the 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 merchants and all them don't want that happening. So no. what they decide to do is they're going to send the Black Knight who out. has been killing it literally in literally. the tournament. Yeah, so they're going to send him out to kill the knight so that the Jabberwocky can still you know be out and about. And uh, so he goes off and, and does it. And so uh, we do see an instance where uh, a, a group of, you know, random, I don't know, uh, hooligans, I guess. Marauding uh, bandits. Yeah, the marauding bandits. Um, they would be labeled like bandit marauder in like Skyrim. Uh, <laughs> they have they've actually captured and started torturing uh, Dennis Cooper's family and friends, such as Griselda. Um, Mr. Fishfinger and all them and the knight and uh, and now Dennis like stumble upon him. You know, there's there's like a little scuffle involved. But, you know, the knight's like monster. Where? Where is the monster? You know, just completely. He doesn't give a shit about these bandits. Of course, the bandits go after him. Uh, kind of all hell breaks loose. Um, and that's a whole weird scene where them fighting and the, you know, the knight ends up falling off. And then the black knight comes in. And uh, eventually the Black Knight and the regular Knight fight, but the Black Knight literally cuts the Knight in half. Yeah. So 
His axe is strong enough to literally slice through the knight's armor and his body clean in uh -huh. half with one blow, but uh -huh. he can't uh -huh. cut through that shield that no. <laughs> Dennis is no. holding up. No. He's Dennis is like hiding under a shield and the black knight is like banging his axe on the shield and it's not even like denting it. No. It was weird. But the black knight has his little horde with him. Uh but eventually the Jabberwocky does in fact uh, uh, come in and uh, we see the Jabberwocky itself, um, which is pretty interesting is the person in the suit actually uh, had to wear it backwards. He had to walk backwards to make it look more bird-like. So I think Weird. that's pretty interesting. But the, I mean, the it looked like a giant chicken. Like yeah. it, it pretty much was a giant chicken. Like there was no... I mean, at least they did the the, like the right thing with a, a monster movie where like you don't see the monster until like the big reveal at the end. Yeah. Like at least there's that. Yeah. It was, you know, it was fun. I mean, this was no Cloverfield, but. <laughs> oh, good movie. Um, good series. <laughs> 10 Cloverfield Lane, by the way, totally underrated. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Agreed. Totally underrated. Um, Hard agree. So we, we see the Jabberwocky, you know, the Black Knight is like, fuck, I'm going to go fight this like thing because it's about to kill me. So the, you know, the Black Knight is fighting with the Jabberwocky and, you know, he gets one of the final killing blows in it. But just before uh, he, you know, the Jabberwocky dies, it knocks the knight and he goes flying off a cliff uh, to his certain doom. Um, and at this point, uh, Dennis is left and uh, he ends up uh, getting the last... I guess the last blow on the Jabberwocky after its eye explodes. And so everyone cheers because Dennis is now the, uh, the winner. Um, and, uh, you know, he is brought back to much fanfare to the kingdom and he is, uh, he is promised the daughter and roll credits. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and thus ends the movie, The Jabberwocky, which again is streaming for free on Tubi TV as well as Amazon Prime Video. So should you watch this movie? Eh, eh. I, in a world where Monty Python movies exist, I say no, because you can watch those instead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in a world where every other Terry Gilliam film exists, I say no, because you could just watch all of those instead. <laughs> like, I mean, every one of them. If you haven't seen the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, shame on you. Go watch that. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen uh, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, go watch that. It's a great storytelling film. I know Caleb has not seen it. I haven't. Yeah. How did, how did you know? Because I haven't I chimed in and said anything. <laughs> yeah, we. I think we've talked about it before. We probably um, have. Yeah, uh, but I mean, you know, Terry Gilliam's got some great things. Just a couple of years ago, he did The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, uh, which stars Adam Driver. Um, he did uh, uh, what else? Uh, he wrote The Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. He he wrote Tideland, which is from two thousand five. Um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Um, the Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Uh, Brazil, I mean, like the meaning of life, like all the Monty Python stuff, Time Bandits, like there is so much that he's done um, mm -hmm. that is just so much better than this film. Like this is probably, I would say, his his least interesting film. But that said, if you absolutely love the the visual style and the like, to an extent. You know, this this comes with a, a very big asterisk to an extent the comedic styles of uh, the Monty Python movies. Uh, sure, it's free. Why not? Right. I mean, it. You're. You know, depending. You may think it's great. I. I just. It was long. Like I paused it halfway through because I had to switch some laundry over. And when I came back and saw how much time was left, I was like, "Fuck! Are you kidding me? Oh my god!" <laughs> This was one that uh, that Ellen watched with me because she does appreciate Monty Python movies. And it was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be like that. Uh, about halfway through, she was like, this is like Monty Python not funny, though. Uh, <laughs> it, and then precisely. At one point, <laughs> just like turned to me and said, is it almost over? Uh, and I checked and it had like 15 minutes left. So Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's it's, it's um, one of those movies. It's it's a, is it almost over? Yes, it definitely was one of those movies. Um, so that's all. So, uh, we've got a, a, a fantastic, uh, month ahead of you for December. 
Um, and it's so good. I'm not even going to tell you what's next. That's how good it is. And in no way related to the fact that we have not scheduled December yet. No, no way no, related. We we're ready. Of course we are. We've been doing this for almost three years now. Of course we're perfectly prepared and scheduled <laughs> in our we super never, professional podcast. We would never wait to the last moment to pick a movie. No. Who does that? Amateurs. That's fucking who. Not us. Not a, do you see this setup? Do you see how expensive our mics are? We're not fucking amateurs. <laughs> do you see all my various books? I can't even find <laughs> books the shelf. The, the... Up on the shelf. Do you see these <laughs> Funko Pops over? That's. I'm not fucking around, guys. Do you see my one of a kind artwork? <laughs> Which is pretty spectacular, actually. If you guys are on YouTube, you actually. definitely need to check it out. Actually, is one of a kind too, it, which is amazing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that being said, that's an episode. So thanks a lot for joining us, everyone, and we will see you next time. Bye. father's tragic past hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse a cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism a woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend this is the storyteller series a night shift radio original every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama we publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.